Mark chapter 6. This is when Jesus goes back to his hometown. It says, when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogues. And many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked, what's the wisdom that has been given him? What are the remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brothers of, John, of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't these his sisters here with us? And they took offense to him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor in his own town, among his relatives in his own home. He cannot do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. I entitled this message, They Got Comfortable with the Carpenter. Father, we thank you, God, what you're going to do, Lord. I ask you to be with us. I pray that I will continue to decrease you and your word will increase, Father. We will never get comfortable of what Jesus did, Father. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone say amen, amen. If you haven't already, don't sit down yet. Just go to somebody to your left and right and say, hey, man, welcome to be here at the six, I mean, the 730 service here at Evangel Temple. Amen, amen. And then you can be seated. Then you can be seated. Amen. Amen. Mm. I'm going to welcome our online audience. We just want to, our online, if you're there, hold on, online, let me hear if you, wow, that's a lot of online people. I can hear them. I can hear them. I'm just kidding. I can hear them. But uh, again, honor, culture, honor, Pastor Gary and Miss Kim, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. But anyway, um, Goliath must fall. That's the, what we're in. Goliath must fall. And uh, Pastor Ralph did the giant of rejection last week. He talked about the giant of rejection. And he talked about the most popular rejection is when we don't fit in or we don't belong. When you don't fit in or don't belong. When he's preaching, I thought, I thought about something. It's not part of my notes, but I thought about something. How many of you have like this junk drawer at home? We just got all this stuff Stash. Am I the only one? Please, I'm not the only one. Yeah, you got all kinds. And it's interesting because in all of our drunk drawers, it's the same stuff. I don't know about you, like maybe some pennies. I don't even know why they make pennies, <laughs> okay? Because they cost 1.5 uh, cents to make, and they're a penny, okay? Uh, I always have some old screws and an old receipt, some rubber bands, um, some old pictures, and, and, and most popular is a, is a pen that doesn't write. And what do we do with the pen that doesn't write? It doesn't write. <laughs> we put it back in the drawer, okay? And I often wonder, I was like, you know, in the Bible, Jesus says, in my father's house, there are many mansions. And, I, and I'm, I'm just sure, like, Jesus doesn't have a junk drawer. He has a trophy case. Because here's what I think he does. I think he takes those who, who were um, rejected, and he goes, hey, hey, let me show you my trophy case. Come here. See, see this one? He used to be a criminal. So we put some solution on him. What solution did you put him on, God? Oh, uh, I just took some blood, some blood, and put it on him. Now he's a criminal defense lawyer. Look at it, look at it. And he goes to this other trophy case. He says, look at this one here. This one, this one right here. Yeah, used to be homeless. Used to be homeless. Put some of that blood on her, and now she owns her own business, and she sells and buys homes. Here's my favorite one. Look at this one. This one, this one used to be rejected, but, and, and then she, she had some, some mental health issues. She's a teenager. Now look at her now. Look at her. We put some of that blood on her now. Now look at her. Wow, yeah. She's a psychiatrist, a top psychiatrist for teens for mental health. Amen. See, God don't have a junk drawer. He's got a trophy case. Amen. Amen. I just thought about that. I just thought about that. But I have the task of talking about the giant of being comfortable. And when I started reading this chapter, I was like, ooh, you got to understand, when I write this stuff down, it's not for you, it's for me. God just, listen, God been using donkeys, okay? He can use James, okay? All right? But um, 
It is the giant of being comfortable. And on page 111 of the book, Little Giglio writes, and watch this. Comfort is perhaps the scariest giant of them all. It is so subtle in its deception. In other words, what he's saying is, we can get in a spirit of comfortableness. We don't even know we're in it until it attacks us or it does something bad to us. I'm not gonna say it kills you, but you can get a spirit of comfortableness and it just creeps up on you. And all of a sudden you look back and be like, oh, how did that happen? I've been there. How did that happen? How did that happen? So when I was researching for this, you guys may laugh or think I'm weird, but I'm gonna pull it all together. I found this picture, Justin or who's ever up there. Can we put the, 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 the picture up? Y'all remember them? Does anybody know who that is? Yeah, who is it? Siegfried and Roy. For longest, I was calling them Sigmund and Freud. I was like, no, James, that's wrong. But that's Siegfried <laughs> and Roy. And for years, they would entertain in, in Las Vegas with these lions. They would entertain with the lions. And I was looking at it, and I was researching. And I know what you're thinking. James, why do you have a picture of Sieg, uh, Siegfried and Roy? I'm going to call them Sigmund and Freud. Siegfried and Roy at, why? Well, the one with the black hair in 2003, one of those tigers, I don't know which one it was, attacked him and bit his vertebrae, almost broke his back and, and uh, scratched his neck. And he was so out of it that the tiger, I don't know which one, just grabbed him, put him in his mouth and walked him off. So I was reading that. And I thought that they were the key lion trainers. They're not. The key lion trainer looked at it and everyone was like, how is it that Roy, who's been working with these animals for years, how did he get attacked? And this is what the lion trainer said, and he's not even a part of Evangel Temple. He said, the reason that Roy got attacked is because he didn't understand the power of the lion and he got comfortable with the relationship. And when he got comfortable with the relationship, the tiger honed in on it and attacked him because he knew he was vulnerable once he got comfortable with the relationship. Mm, that'll preach, won't it? He got comfortable with the relationship. Now watch. In Matthew chapter 6, 2 and 3, he says, what's this wisdom that has been given him? Where are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this uh, Mary's son? Brother James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, aren't his brothers here with us? Here's my first point. Watch this. God gave me this stuff, man. You can't be comfortable with the Christ by calling him the carpenter. You cannot be comfortable with Christ by calling him the comforter. Because here's what's going on. Let me set this up. Jesus is going to Nazareth. Born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth. He's going to Nazareth. And all his disciples are like, oh my goodness, we're going to Nazareth. We're going to Jesus' home. They're going to see one of their homies. They're going to see Jesus. Wait till we tell them how he fed 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Wait till we tell them how he walked on the water. We're going to Jesus' home. Oh, my goodness. This is going to be crazy. Because wait till they find out how he healed a leper, touched him, and he didn't even have leprosy. They're going to Jesus' house. They're all excited. We're going to his home. 
Oh my goodness, we're going to Jesus. We're going where he came from. When I was in high school, we won a state championship in a place in Pittsburgh called the Keys Rocks. It was, it, was, it was a bad place, but we won a state championship. We went 32-0 undefeated, and when we were on home, I came, we came around the corner, and I'm looking, I'm seeing thousands of people out there, and I was like, what are they out there for? And people are coming up and hugging us and shaking our hands and just hugging it. And girls that I tried to ask out uh, six months before, they were coming up and giving me a kiss. I knew something was up then. And I was like, what's going on? And one guy said, man, don't you get it? I was like, what? He goes, you're from here. This place was called a McKee's Rocks, and they used to call it the Rocks, R-O-X, because of drug dealers, people who were drug infested, people who would get arrested and shooting, but you're one of us, and you just put us on the map. And I was like, oh, I didn't get it. But see, that's not what's going on here with Jesus. The disciples think that they're going to go home there to Jesus, but see, they got too comfortable with the Christ, and they saw him as a carpenter. Let me say it to you this way, where it can come a little home for you. I have an interesting perspective when I come here at Evangel Temple, because I've been on the outside for almost 20, 21 years watching what Evangel Temple does, and it serves the city. Matter of fact, when I worked at another church, every time we would have a huge event, the first two people I would call, Pastor Gary and, pa and, and Miss Kim, Bishop Bob McLaughlin and, and uh, First Lady Narlene, they were the first two people I called. They were the first two. If he didn't pick up, I called Bishop Vaughn. If Bishop Vaughn pick up, Pastor Gary. They were the first two people I called. Anytime we did something at the church, anytime a big event, it was, I would call them. Now, church, I'm not trying to kiss up. I'm not, I'm not good at it. I'm not good at it. I'm just going to speak the truth because I know who God has made me. I know who I am. I'm not trying to kiss up. I'm just telling you things I've seen. So when I would call them, I didn't call them because it was a good idea. I didn't call them because it was the right thing to do. I didn't call them. I called them because the honor that's bestowed on them, this city should give them because they've been serving this city for years. And so I did not want to get comfortable with the culture of honor. So it was in me to be able to call them and contact them to make sure that they were involved with what the city was doing. And then nine months ago, watch this. I'm telling you, what I'm, this is a true story. Stop me if I'm lying. So I'm in Pastor Gary's office. Been in his office many times. Even when I'm working here, I was in his office. So I'm in his office, and he says to me, hey, James, why don't you come serve with us? I was like, oh, man, I don't want to be at church anymore. Some of those people are crazy, not the ones in here, all right? So he's like, I want you to come. And this is what he said. He said, I believe you can bless us, and I believe we can bless you. I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll come and serve. And then he said something that just messed with me, and I'm going to tell you why it messed with me. He said, hey, James, we'll even pay you. I looked at him. You know that Arnold and Judah Willis thing? Like, I looked at him like, you're going to pay me to serve? What, just pay me to serve? How can you ever pay me to serve when I've watched him for years do this, this, um, this, this CPR, Christian professional resource, not take a dime, where I saw thousands of uh, Christian business leaders who would come in at lunchtime once a month for years, and they would get ministered to by guys like Dr. Sam Chan and John Maxwell, and he never took a red cent, and now he's going to ask me to come and serve and get paid when I've seen him serve for years and never took a paycheck? 
I've seen him serve this city when we did something called Convoy of Hope, when you put me on the kids thing, and you know I shouldn't have been on there, but he put me on there anyway, but watch this, uh, t 10 to 11,000 people, and an outreach came, and they got fed, and they got clothes, and they got ministered to, and all these people came through, and the NFL sanctioned it, it was during the Super Bowl, the day before the Super Bowl, here in Jacksonville, here's a guy asking me to come and serve, and I'm like, you really want me to serve, when I watched it, was in his office with the Tebow Foundation and Fellowship of Christian athletes and we're sitting in his office and we're asking him how are we going to do this big event with Tim Tino, Tim Tebow and Danny Warfold. It's the only time two Heisman Trophy winners are speaking in the country for the first time and we're in his office and he's helping us, serving us, not taking one penny and 12 to 13,000 people are filling Veteran Memorials Arena and he's asking me to, to, to get paid to serve and then I'm like to serve here at Evangel Temple? Man, that's easy because this is the place that serves. And there's a lot of great people that serve and I met some people who serve. And so I get here at Evangel Temple and I was like, this is the place where people serve. And just like when the disciples went home with Jesus, I'm not saying Pastor Gary's Jesus, that's not what I'm saying, hear me out. I come here thinking that everybody's gonna serve and I get here and there are some people who get comfortable with what this church is called to do in terms of serving and they sit here and they eat the word and they drop off a donation and they go Go home and have the nerve to understand what's going on with my life. See, when we get comfortable, things happen that we don't want to happen when we get comfortable because there's going to be times where we take it for granted. I never take for granted those who serve here. I always ask people to come and serve. I have this joke. I will come and I will recruit you like I'm a coach for Alabama football. I will recruit you. Because I know what it's going to do for you, and I know what it's going to do for this ministry. But we should never take it for granted. I never take for granted the people who work in our kids when the kids check in. I never take for granted. If you've got small kids, you're happy they're there. I never take that for granted. I never take the granted for the people who work in the parking lot, serving in the parking lot when it's hot and, and, or it's raining. They're serving in the parking lot. I never take those people for granted. Don't let them be there. You'll understand. I never take for granted the ushers who come in here and get the tithes and offerings, our tithes and offerings, and make sure they get to the storehouse. I never take that for granted. See, we're in a culture to serve. I never take it for granted, ever. And that's why I always ask people to get involved with serving. Because like our kids, some of you got kids, you know, when our kids, sometimes we're so consistent, they don't even say thank you anymore. And so we serve them, they don't say thank you because we're consistent. And we give them their food and they don't say anything. And we give them their clothes and they don't say anything. Take it away. Take away the food. Take away the clothes. My first year of college, second week in college, I actually thought my underwear, my socks, and my undershirts multiplied. And I was like, uh-oh, I got to do my own laundry. I took it for granted. But you let those who serve take them away and take it for granted because my second point is this, whatever you take for granted can be taken away. Whatever we take for granted can be taken away. And we do not get comfortable with the culture of serving at this church. 
I don't ever want to take away the, 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 the fact that I can come in here and praise and worship God. I don't ever want to take away the fact of the different people that I met serving here. I don't ever want to take away the fact that tithes and offerings are reaching the community when Mr. Dean can go to schools and feed people and go to uh, Andrew Jackson High School and go to other high schools and feed people and watch people's lives get transformed. I don't take that for granted. I cannot get comfortable in that. I cannot. That's why I'm about serving. I cannot take it for granted. Let me move on. Matthew chapter 25, 28 and 29 says, this is the parable of the talents, okay? Remember, whatever you take for granted will be taken away. Parable of the talents. One had five, one had two, one, one. It's Jesus. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from him who doesn't have, even what he has will be taken away. That's why we need you to serve. You have a talent and you have a gift that this church needs. And we don't ever want to get comfortable with the fact that somebody else can do it. They're okay. They'll be all right. They'll do it. No, no. We need you. We want you. If you're already serving, that's fine because there are some, man, I met some great people who serve here. I met some people who they're so busy with their job. They're serving at their job. Coach, I think about Coach Foy. He's a, a football coach in Andrew Jackson. Just serving people, man. Serving his teammates. Serving at the, the, the school. It's hard when you're in a school. Miss Cynthia, who's the vice president. That's not even my note. She's the vice president. I'm going to speak at that school Friday. Just serving the school. Serving them. There are business leaders in this community who may not be here at church, but they serve with their pocketbook. They'll write a check where we can go and feed those. Serving, serving. We don't take it for granted. If we take it for granted, it can be taken away. Amen? Watch this. Mark chapter 6. Man, this clock goes fast. Mark chapter 6, verse 3. Oh, this is good. Watch this. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? Do you know what's wrong with that statement right there? I want to put something on the board. Watch this. They got comfortable. They got confused with their culture. They got so comfortable, they got confused with their culture. James, what do you mean they got confused with their culture? Let me show you something. The 12 spies of Egypt. I just put five up for, for time purposes. Do we have a copy of the 12 spies of Egypt? I believe we do. I believe we do. The 12 spies of Egypt. I believe we don't have it. Okay, I thought we had it. All right, but that's okay. This is what it says of the 12 spies of Egypt. It says, Shemua, son of Zakar, Shaphat, son of Ori, Caleb, son of Jephunneh, Eagle, son of Joseph, Hosea, or Joshua, son of Nun. Jewish culture, every time they, they introduced somebody, it was the father's name that went before that. Or after Caleb, son of Jephunneh, Joshua, son of Nun. Jesus comes in and they go, isn't this Mary's son? That's not even in their culture. They didn't even know who his father was. Oh man, if I had more time, I'll get on that whole thing. They didn't even understand who his father was because they got so comfortable with the, cult, with the, with the carpenter that they lost their culture. They lost their culture. And because they confused their culture, they, watch this. God showed me this. He said, tell them this, James, and tell them this way. 
because they got comfortable with the carpenter, they couldn't cast their cares on the Christ. Because they got comfortable with the carpenter, they could never cast their cares on the Christ. And that's why, church, you can never lose the culture of who Jesus Christ really is. He's not a carpenter. He's the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the one that went to the cross. He's the one whose blood dripped for our sins. That's who he is. He's not just a carpenter. We can't confuse it. And they confused the culture because they said it was Mary's son. Mary's son. See, we have a culture here at Evangel Temple. We will never confuse our culture. We're in staff meetings. We are in, in doing staff things, outreaches. We always talk about our culture. You'll hear me or Pastor Jordan or Pastor Gary, Miss Kim, they'll come up here. We'll always say something about the culture because the culture is key here at Evangel Temple. We never want to lose our culture. We are always wanting to have people in, in, encounter Jesus. That's what we want them to do. We want to encounter Jesus through Sunday and Wednesday service. That's what we want to do. We want to build disciples when we get people connected and serving. That's how we build disciples in Sunday school. In the Sunday school classes, Pastor Randy took me around. I was amazed at the amount of people that were in Sunday school. We want to love people by going out to the communities. Bible says it's easy to love those who love you. Can you love people who don't love you? And when we do that, we make a difference. See, church, we do not want to lose our culture. Our culture is everything. We will never stop until Jesus comes back. That's the culture because that's what Evangel Temple does. We are about a culture of reaching the lost and building Jesus' church. That's what we're about. We don't want to get comfortable in that. You hearing me? Because it's real easy to get... It's, not even it's real easy to sit back and get comfortable. They'll do it. They can do it. They don't need me. I don't want to do... I don't, it's real easy to get comfortable. It's real easy to get comfortable. Do you understand the blood and the sweat and the tears that it takes to pull off a Wednesday service when this worship team is up here worshiping with the gifts that God has given them and the people up there in the booth making me look good with the gifts that God has given them and the ushers and the greeters and the parking and the people that work in kids and there's places that people you don't even see who are serving. That's our culture. So people can encounter Jesus, build disciples, love people, Make a difference. We are not backing off of that. That's the culture. But wait a minute. But watch. But the Jewish people, in the midst of Jesus, looked at him and got their culture all confused. Isn't this Mary's son? So because they got their culture confused, let's read what happens. Let's read what happens. Mark chapter, or verse, chapter 6, verse 5. He could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at the lack of faith. Here's what you got to understand, church. Only two times in the New Testament where it says Jesus was amazed. The one was the centurion man who, who just told Jesus, hey, just say it, I don't believe it. Wasn't even Jewish. Just say it, I believe it. The second time is here when he says he was amazed at their faith. Now, how does this tie together with us? Watch this. I love this. Uh, Pastor Jordan says this a lot. I love when you say this. He says, a fire hose is, great, is a great tool, but it won't help you in a flood. 
And I looked at it one day, and I was like, a fire hose is a great tool, but it won't use this in the flood. My first thought was, is that Socrates, or where'd you find that out? But, <laughs> but it rings, watch this. A fire hose is a great tool, but it does not help you in a flood. The Jewish people saw the carpenter, and they didn't see Jesus. See, a carpenter would have been good had they needed some things nailed together, had they needed a table made or a chair made. But how many of you know, it said because Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith, there were blind eyes that were never opened. There were lepers that never got touched. There were moms who never saw their kids come back. There were people who needed the Lord and the Savior, Jesus Christ, but he could not do any miracles. They needed the Christ, but they got the carpenter because they got comfortable. <laughs> That's so many seeds. I'm laughing. It's so many seeds. It's making me thirsty, and I got to keep drinking. Excuse me. Do you understand that? He got comfortable. Worship team, I want you to come out because I'm going I'm to I'm do something different here. I'm going to do something different. Worship team, come out. Mikey, then whoever. Jen, come on out. What's oh, I'm sorry. Justin, yeah. Justin, you need to come on out and get over here. So anyway, so watch this. So the Christ is in town. And they look at him and they're like, isn't this Mary's son? They were so confused on what was going on. They didn't realize that the Lord and the Savior was right in their midst and he could not do anything. What do you think the disciples are thinking? They're like, oh, watch this. Thank you, God. The disciples are looking, they're like, if they only knew what he could do for them. He's right in the midst. If they only knew what he could do for them. But instead, some of them looked at him as the carpenter. Some of them looked at him as Mary's son. Some of them looked at him as like, who is it? In the scripture it says, who is this guy? Here's where I'm going with this, because I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. Jesus Christ is here. Wherever two or three are gathered in his name, he's here. And there are some things that are going on in our, 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 our natural lives. I know we came down in healing, and that's great. But there are some things that are going on in our natural lives. And we sometimes we won't come to the altar because we'll look around and we'll treat him like he's the carpenter. When in all actuality, he's the Christ. And so if you're in here and we've got four minutes left, I, I want to pray. I want you to come down and, and pray. But before you come down, I want you to understand that when you come down here to pray, because I did this for years, I would come down and pray, not leave, leave, whatever, what, 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 what happened. Here's what's really going on. When you come down here, I, I just, in my spiritual thing, God is saying, I'm waiting for you to think. Remember when Jacob, Jacob the deceiver, okay, he was wrestling with God. And God kept saying, What's your name? What's your name? What's your name? He wasn't asking him his name because he didn't know what his name was. He was asking him his name so he would confess, this is who I am. I've got this issue. My name is Jacob. 
against Jacob. And once he did that, God said, no longer today you're Israel because you wrestled with God and you prevailed. Here's what's going on today. See, some of you would come down here and you'd be like, I don't, this is really, I just believe God is doing some things in us for us to come to him and say, hey God, this is where it's at. Because I got some situations going on with my, with, my, with my youngest daughter. I've got to go here and pray because I believe in the Christ. He's not the carpenter. He is the Christ. And I honestly believe that why he's working things out in our heart, he's working things out over here so they can line up. Not in our time, because if it's in our time, then we do it. When it's his time, then we give him all praise and glory. That's why when you leave here and you say to yourself, man, I don't even know if this, no, 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 it's God's like, oh no, you did it. Now let me do what I do. Let me take your natural and let me add my super and then what's gonna happen is something's gonna be supernatural, amen? And so if you're in here, everyone stand up, please. Everyone stand up, stand up, stand up. If you're in here and you're like, God, I, I got something going on. I got something going on. Please, church, I do not want you to be comfortable in that situation. Do not be comfortable in that situation. We need to come to Christ, not the carpenter. If you're in here and there's something that's going on and you really need the Christ to move, it's not a heaven or hell thing. But if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can come down here too. We want to pray for you. But if there's something going on and you need the Christ and not the carpenter, I want you to come down here on a count of three. One, two, three. Come out of your seats and come down. And let's all pray. Let's pray. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, Jen.